have a question for you this morning. Have you ever, have you ever wondered what it would be like to sit down and interview one of the biblical characters? Wouldn't that be interesting? To be able to sit down with one of those great men or women of God scattered throughout all of Scripture and just ask them some really good questions. I think about Jeremiah in the Old Testament. I'd love to sit down and talk with Jeremiah, and I guess Jeremiah would come to mind because I can relate more with Jeremiah because he was one who was always wearing his feelings on his sleeve. He was one who actually had the audacity to call God a liar. I mean, you know, when you've got that kind of boldness to say to God, you deceived me. Uh, wow. Yeah, that's someone I can relate to. Now, in the New Testament, if I had the opportunity to sit down and interview someone, uh, there's a whole host of them, and all of them would be indeed interesting, but the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul is one that I would really love to just sit down and have a long chat with. Paul has some interesting things to say about himself in light of being redeemed. And I think we can learn a lot. Those of us who are studying for ministry, those of us who are already in ministry, whatever form that ministry takes, pastoral ministry, missions work, whatever it takes to sit down and listen to someone like the great Apostle Paul and say, could you give me a bit of advice as to how this thing called ministry really works? But you know, before I got to the deep theological, doctrinal stuff that I'd like to ask Paul about, I'd first of all like to ask Paul three very simple questions. Number one, I would like to say, Paul, who are you? Secondly, I would like to say to Paul, why are you here? At any point in his ministry, why are you specifically here today, now? And the third question I would like to ask Paul is, what are you doing? I mean, just simple questions, not anything profound or complex, not anything deep theologically, just to get to know him. So this morning, let's try to get to know the Apostle Paul. Now, I know you've studied the Apostle Paul. I know you've already invested some time and energy and effort into knowing this great man of God. But let's just ask him those simple questions this morning. First of all, Paul, who are you? And he answers that question for us. I'm going to read one passage to get us started here, one verse actually. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who called him, raised him from the dead. Paul, an apostle. <laughs> now, when you study Paul's letters, you come to understand that there is a certain type of progression that we can see. We can denote very clearly in statements Paul makes about himself. Galatians is one of his earliest writings. Now, there's debate as to exactly when he wrote Galatians, whether he's writing to the northern part of Galatia or if he's writing to the southern part. So we're not going to get into all of that, but we are going to 
recognized the fact that Galatians is one of his earliest letters. And when Paul makes this statement, Paul, an apostle, not from man, not through man, it's almost as if Paul is saying, you need to sit up and take note of what I say because I am an apostle. Now, did he have the right to claim authority? Absolutely. He is an apostle of Jesus Christ. That gives him the right, that gives him the authority to teach us, to explain to us the deep mysteries of the Word of God. Paul has every right to claim apostleship, but it's almost as if, as he writes this letter to Galatia, and you read the entirety of the letter, it seems as if Paul is saying, because of the position I hold, you must submit yourself to me. Now, I may be reading more into the text than is actually there, but when we compare this statement with some of his later statements, I think that that's one way we can understand. We can interpret this statement of Paul. I am an apostle. Listen to me. But then, just a few years later, he wrote another letter, this time to the people over in Corinth, and in his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15, and verse 9, Paul says this, For I am least of all the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Seems to me that something has happened that perhaps has knocked Paul down a few notches. Now again, I may be reading more into the text than is there, but in Galatians, one of his first letters, he says, Paul, an apostle, not by man. You didn't have anything to do with this. This is all because of God. I am in this position of authority over you, so you give me your undivided attention. And just a few years later, he writes this letter to the Corinthians and he says, I am the least of the apostles. As a matter of fact, I'm not even worthy to be named among the apostles because I persecuted the church of God. What do you think happened? What do you think happened between Paul's writing of his letter to the Galatians and his first letter to the Corinthians? Something has obviously changed Paul's mentality. Something has made him realize that, yes, I am an apostle, but I'm the least of all the apostles, and I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle because prior to being an apostle, prior to being a child of God, I was actually a persecutor of the church of God, trying to destroy everything God was building up. No, I'm not even worthy of the title. I'm not worthy to be named among the apostles. Well, let's fast forward a few more years. Paul writes another letter to his friends over in Ephesus. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul says, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints. He doesn't even identify himself in that verse as an apostle. So he's gone from 
And I'm not saying Paul had a haughty attitude when he made that statement in Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. I'm not suggesting that, but it seems that from Galatians 1, 1, now to Ephesians chapter 3, Paul has begun to recognize that without Christ, he's really nothing. Nothing. Without the power of God in him, the Holy Spirit of God equipping him, the great Apostle Paul recognizes the fact that I'm nothing. I'm the least of all the saints. Paul an apostle. Paul the least of all the apostles, not even worthy to be named among the apostles, and now Paul the least of all the saints. But it doesn't end there. A few years later, when he's nearing the end of his life, Paul corresponds with his son in the faith, Timothy. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, listen carefully to what Paul says. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now note the tense of that verb. I am, not I was, not I was the chief of sinners, but now by the grace of God, I am the apostle of Jesus Christ. No, I am, present tense, the chief of sinners. I've seen it happen too often, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm sure some of these other professors and preachers here today would probably give a hearty assent to what I'm about to say. But I've seen so many times men be called of God. Obviously, the calling of God is on their lives. And they begin preparing for ministry. And you hear their testimony, and in their testimony, they talk about how gloriously God has saved them from their horrid past. And what a horrible sinner they truly were. But as time goes on, studies are under their belt. Degrees are hanging on their study walls. They forget who they were. And they get a little haughty and arrogant. I've got all these degrees behind my name now. You need to listen to me. You need to pay attention to what I got to say because obviously I know a whole lot more than you know. Uh, No, we don't. I'm sure all the other professors will agree with this next statement I'm going to say as well. And I'd heard it, and I didn't really understand it until I began to experience the reality of this statement. The more I know, the more I recognize the need to know. In all honesty, I know almost nothing. I've studied. I've, I've sat right where you are sitting. I graduated from this institute. I, I know the rigors of the studies of academia. I understand all of that. And if we're not very, very careful, we graduate from Fruitland or maybe go on to another institute and we get another degree and all of a sudden we begin thinking, hey, the world owes me something. 
And, and perhaps we begin looking at a bulletin board with some pastoral ministries listed out there. And we begin looking at them in the size of the church, and we think to our, ourselves, no, I deserve more than that. No, you don't deserve that. We don't deserve anything, do we? I remember so vividly a statement that a fellow student made when I was a student here in 1979. And I was called to my first church in Jefferson, South Carolina. A church that was so far out in the woods. You've heard the phrase, it's so far out you have to park and walk another mile and then you get to the end of the earth and there's the church. Well, this is one of those churches. On a good Sunday, on a good, good Sunday, we might have 25. Now, that's a good Sunday. Usually, it was somewhere around 15. And I was in conversation with some other students, and one of the students said to me, in the presence of others, well, that would be a good stepping stone for you. It takes a lot to make me angry. But I was angry. No, I wasn't angry. I was spitfire mad. You mean that that church out in the middle of nowhere that has this small group of believers who desperately need ministry, they need a pastor to care for them, you mean that if God sends me there and leaves me there for the, enduring, the endurance of my entire ministry, are you saying that I'm a failure? Well, you're not saying I'm a failure. You're saying God is at fault for causing me to have to put up with that. I've pastored the whole gamut. I've pastored small churches, and I've pastored large churches, and I'm here to tell you I'd much rather pastor the small church. Large churches just have multipli multiplied headaches. But Paul, if we can learn anything from the Apostle Paul, learn, learn this. When you ask Paul the question, who are you? The ultimate bottom line question is, I am the chief of sinners and I do not, cannot, will not ever deserve the grace of God. I am saved by His grace and His grace alone. And that doesn't make me any better than anybody. Paul, who are you? Paul, why are you here? You take any snippet out of Paul's ministry. You study those missionary journeys and you learn that Paul was not a pastor per se. Paul was a missionary, church, plan, church planner. And the longest Paul stayed anywhere was three years at Ephesus. Most of the time he was not anywhere for any length of time. So Paul, why are you here? At any time in his ministry, why are you here? Well, the answer that Paul, I think, would give to that is first and foremost, I'm here because God called me to this place. If you honestly believe, as a student, preparing for pastoral ministry or missions work or whatever, you need to understand that where you need to be is where God puts you. 
not where you necessarily want to be. Now, I will say this. I have found it true, and I pastored in South Carolina, North Carolina, Texas, and I have found it to be true that wherever God puts you, he will give you joy in being there. It might not be a place. You might look on the map, and you might think, I would never, in the entirety of my life, I would never go to that podunk back hollow. And you get there and you find it to be the most amazing, fulfilling, contented, peaceful work of God. Why? Because you're where He planted you. Now you can plant yourself in some places and you might think, if I could just get there, it'd be so much better. Well, as Irma Bombach said in one of her articles, you need to be careful about the grass being greener on the other side of the fence because it might just happen to be over someone's sewer. Be careful. Green grass doesn't mean that it's plentiful and luscious. Paul, why are you here? Well, I'm here because God called me to be here. Paul, why are you here? Well, I'm here because God equipped me to do this work. We're all different, aren't we? We're not gifted to do exactly the same thing. And even if we are doing the same thing, for instance, in pastoral ministry, we do it differently. We don't all preach alike, do we? You know, I have to admit, I, I listen to these other professors preach. And I listen to them on, uh, when I'm not here, I listen to them online. And I, almost every time I have to repent because I have a spirit of envy that wells up in me. Why can't I communicate like that? You know, why, why can't God gift me to communicate the gospel as clearly and succinctly and concisely as these other guys? Brandon Burleson always just puts me to shame. He is so deep theologically. You know, I, I listen to him preach and, and he just, he, he teaches me so much from the Word of God and I drink from the well and then I, I get so envious. Why, God, did you give him the gift to do that and you didn't give me the gift to do that? Well, God didn't call me to be Brenton, did he? He called me to be me. So, Paul, why are you here? I'm here because God called me to be here, but I'm also here because God equipped me specifically and personally to do this work. When I was a student here sitting where you're sitting now, I had a dream. I had a dream of one day being able to return to the campus of Fruitland and teach. It has been such a fulfilling thing for me to be able to come to this place and with my feeble efforts be able to invest my life into the lives of the students who filter through here. What a blessing that is. Well, can I take any credit for that? No. I'm here because God called me to be here at this point in history in my life, and I'm here because God has equipped me to do what I'm doing. So Paul would say, I am here because of the calling of God. I am here because of the equipping of God, and I am also here because of the assignment of God. I didn't place myself here God placed me here. Well, 
Let me quickly close with a third question I would ask Paul. And I think it's pertinent for us today to ask Paul this same question. Especially as we move through our education at one institute, whether we're going to another institute or we're using this to prepare us to go into ministry and you couldn't be in a better place on God's earth to be prepared for ministry than Fruitland Baptist Bible College. But my third question is this, where are you going? Now, I've listened to enough of you to know already that some of you don't have a clue where you're going. You really don't. And again, I can, I can identify with you because I sat there and I wondered the same thing. God, I'm here because I believe you placed me here as a student, but I don't have a clue where I'm going beyond this place. When we would ask the Apostle Paul that question, Paul, where are you going from here? What's the next phase of your journey? Well, we sing a song that I think could encapsulate the answer that I believe Paul would give to that question. Wherever he leads, I'll go. That should be our heart's desire. Not to put myself in some place of ministry, but to pray and seek God's will for my ministry. It might be in your own backyard, but chances are very likely it won't be. It may be somewhere on the other side of the country. It might be somewhere on the other side of the globe. The important thing is to be wherever He leads. You go back and study Paul's missionary exploits in the book of Acts. And I find it very interesting, especially when he received that Macedonian call. The plea for help, come over and help us. And then Paul, by his own word, by his own testimony, he says, I tried to go to Masia, but the Holy Spirit forbid me. Then I tried to go to Bithynia, and I was not allowed to go. Wow. Now, it would be great if Paul had added another chapter, or if Luke in the record had added another chapter to the book of Acts and explained to us exactly how God communicated with Paul. But then again, it would probably be dangerous for us because if we had exactly how God communicated with Paul, that would be the litmus test for us, right? We'd, we'd look for God to say the same thing in the same way to us. But God works with each and every one of us on an individual basis. God called you individually. God will lead you as an individual where he wants you to be. So, Paul, where are you going? I'm going wherever God leads. Well, Paul, after you get to wherever you're going, how long are you going to stay? Well, wherever I go, I'll stay. I'll stay until God himself lets me know it's time to go. Now, you might find yourself in a very difficult pastorate, a difficult ministry. I had a precious 
pastor friend who's now with the Lord, but in all honesty, he would go to a church and within six months he's sending his resumes everywhere because things aren't going exactly the way he envisioned them to go. And I spoke to him on one occasion and I said, Ken, maybe God brought you here to be the change agent they need you to be. Not, not to go in and turn everything upside down. I'm not suggesting that. But maybe God wants to use you to heal whatever's hurting this congregation. Paul, on one occasion, said, I am over here, and God has opened a wonderful door of ministry, and there are many adversaries. Preachers would sometimes like to, con to change the conjunction from and to but. God has opened this wonderful door of ministry, but... There are many adversaries. And we sometimes would use that as a reason to go, whereas Paul used it as a reason to stay. We don't run from problems, do we? Well, we're not supposed to. Jesus himself promised us that in this world you're going to have difficult times. Trouble is the reality of your experience. But be of good courage, he said. I've overcome the world. We are on the winning side. Are there some difficult pastorates out there? <laughs> wow. Are, are there any non-problematic <laughs> churches out there? We're going to have difficulties. Paul, where are you going? Well, I'm going wherever he leads, and I'll stay until he tells me to go. Well, Paul, what are you going to do when you get there? I'm just going to do whatever he tells me to do. Again, I'm sure you could talk to any of these pastors, these professors who are in pastoral ministry, and they would tell you if they've been a pastor of several churches, they will tell you every one has been different. We don't serve cookie-cutter churches. And when you go there as pastor, you are faced with different situations, different dilemmas, different troubles, different sets of blessings, different causes of joy, but no two churches are exactly alike. So Paul, when you get there, you're going to stay as long as God tells you to stay. You're only going to leave when God tells you to leave, and you're only going to do what God tells you to do while you're there. And I think Paul would say, yeah, that pretty well sums it up. So let me sum this message up. I just want to give you a word of admonition. Don't allow yourself to become haughty and arrogant in the things you know. Because I guarantee you, there's a whole lot more you don't know than you do. We are lifelong learners. Lifelong learners. I served in active pastoral ministry for 40 years. I retired last year from active pastoral ministry. I'm still in ministry and I'm still a student of the Word of God. And I will be until the day I die. And I'm always 
consistently and constantly amazed at how a passage that I've read countless times in the past, well, I read it just one more time, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it comes to life, and I see something I've never, ever seen before. God's Word is a living, fluid Word. Now, the message never changes. It is a constant. But God's Word is always and forever teaching us, leading us deeper into the well of God's truth and knowledge. So let's be like Paul. Let's recognize the fact that no, no matter where we are along our spiritual journey, we are the chief of sinners, saved by the amazing grace of God, gifted by Him to be engaged in His work, doing all that we do for the glory of God. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I am so thankful for the life and the ministry and the testimony of the Apostle Paul. We've looked at just a, a handful of photographic snippets from his life. That first being early on after his salvation and his calling to be an apostle all the way to that letter written just shortly before his death. And we see how Paul progressively recognized more and more and more of the amazing power of saving grace. Help us to always remember who we are, sinners, saved by the grace of God. And use us in the spirit of humility to serve you effectively and efficiently for all the days, weeks, months, and years that you assign to us on this earth. We pray this in Jesus' name and we ask it for his glory and his sake.